Speaking of deer guns, another uh, cartridge that you can find at uh, at at your local feed store, twenty five out six. Underrated, highly. That's my first woodchuck gun. How many woodchucks could a twenty five out six chuck? I, I burned a barrel out. Yeah, that's fun. Another gun that you can see your impacts on. You've got high velocities, pretty inexpensive to shoot. It's a great gun. Good, it's a good packable gun. It's a great deer gun too. Great deer gun. Maybe one of the best. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. So there you are, in Africa. You look out in the river, see something floating along. What is it? <laughs> the story we tell our children, the story <laughs> we tell everybody else. <laughs> oh, you see everything floating down in Africa, I reckon, river. Yeah? What kind of things have you seen? Uh, I've seen hippos and might have seen a half-human or half-eaten human one day. Some tiger fish. A lot of trash. A lot of trash. No, not so much. I was in backpack country in oh, Africa. I didn't yeah. see much of that stuff. Lots yeah. of crocs. You get close to town. Yeah. That stuff's around. Trash. There's no doubt about that. Where are some places you've guided? Montana. Started out my guiding career there. And then uh, I got hooked up with a bunch of folks, and I would follow the elk rut from... Arizona to Montana, hitting New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. Just kind of make our way up till the elk rut was done. And then you usually have a break. Uh, roll over to Africa then and hunt for about a month. And then uh, by then, Mexico would open up. You'd hunt in Mexico from November 15th to March 20th when sheep would shut down and then roll back to Africa. What was hunting old Mexico like? Most awesome thing in the world. Really? Yeah, it's awesome. It's just big. Yeah. You know how we go around here and in these places you have parameters. You say, okay, there's the north fence line there. There's the rancher over there, whatever. Over there, it's if you walk 15 miles that way, you're going to run into the next ranch. If you walk for a day and a half that way, you'll run into something. So, yeah, I mean, it's countless. And then there's always these royals and ravines and mountains and all this stuff in that country in Sonora where I was at where it was just I mean every little canyon held something new he'd walk up something and it would be this big flat area and all of a sudden it looks like a little drainage kicked over and then it next thing you walk up that drainage the walls would narrow up to like three four feet across you had 200 yards of just smoothed out canyons of just eaten by the rivers and runoff and rains and stuff like that it dump into these little pools of water that only that deer and animal or deer and coyotes and stuff like that would know about. The landowners in Sonora, those are, you know, pretty straight laced, real law abiding folks. Um, they probably, you know, went through all the proper channels to make sure that, you know, you were paid in a very specific way according to the laws set forth by the government, et cetera. Is that fairly accurate? Sure. <laughs> What was the reality of it? You didn't know what you were getting from one week to the next. (laughs) (laughs) You get an attaboy like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. And then you get a lot of cash dumped in your pocket. And then, don't worry, I'll take care of you next week and next week and next week. Then you get maybe a lot of cash dumped in your pocket or maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. I've had some good years down there and some bad years. But to be honest with you, the experience of being down there paid for itself. Sure. Being out in the moment. I mean... I lived in a wall tent for three and a half months in the middle of the desert. It was the most cool thing in the world. I woke up every morning and go, who's your hunting, mule your hunting or sheep hunting? Your choice. Yeah, that's it wasn't too bad. That's not too bad. <laughs> and then on days off, you know, there's the Apache Indians are everywhere over there. Hmm. So you just go and find, I mean, you'd be driving down the road and you'd see Indian camp after Indian camp after Indian camp. And I never could figure it out because I never run into them around like the West like that. 
and I figured out after talking to those guys is they would get it to the point where the garbage and trash smelt so bad and just like the carcasses and stuff that they have that they move 100 yards up from where they last camped and set back up again and that's how they just kind of do it. Gotcha. It's also, you know, in the the American West, a lot of the places that are good places to live are, you know, got occupied by white settlers. Mm -hmm. And the same thing up here in the Pacific Northwest, some of these old historic ranches, like you go out in the... um, in the corral and Brandon calves in spring and dirt gets all kicked up and you start finding arrowheads. Like a good place to live today was a good place to live then. Mm-hmm. It's a good indicator of what's going on. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially as a hunter, you made a comment the other day that kind of stuck with me. You're walking around and you see a, a, a stump or something laying there and you see two different cartridges of different eras. Right. And then you're like, something's happening here yeah. for two people. Right. This this is legit right yeah. here. Maybe we should take lunch or a nap right here and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Now, if you find, you know, some ancient piece of .30-06 brass and some even more ancient piece of .30-40 Craig and then a <laughs> 300 Remington Ultramag all in the same spot, like critters have been getting shot there for a long time. Exactly. At yesterday I was walking uh, on the place that we're at right now and – uh I found a kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, this is home for somebody. This is something good in here. But I got to thinking where I was, like, gosh, you could fall off the six different drainages from right here. Right. It's perfect. Yeah. And it's an easy walk up and down and everything else. Yeah. Water not too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, what about shooting? You been around guns at all? A little bit, yeah. Tell Enough me about to, that. to know. So, uh, as, you know... When I was moved out to Montana, everybody has to come out here with a gun, right? So I got a 270 that my father bought me. And I thought, that was my first introduction to, like, a rifle. And uh, I don't think he even shot it till I got out here. But that son of a gun kicked like a mule, and I never shot it hardly again after that. I think I've probably run maybe 30 rounds through the thing, and it's sat in my closet now, or in my safe for, I don't know, since 94 I think I shot a deer or two with it, and that's about it. But it was painful. And I got it thinking, I'm going to give this to my kid. Now I'm thinking, I'm not that mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a funny thing, and there's going to be people listening like, oh, a 270, you know, it ain't nothing, doesn't kick that much. The more you get around people who actually shoot a lot, mm-hmm. the more averse they are to recoil. Yeah. And there's, it's not about pain so much as it is about efficacy mm-hmm. oh that's a whole different episode yeah. of life isn't that it? is a that is a ball of wax there isn't it <laughs> it's a big one so me and my buddy peter howell both of us work for sig we're out here uh guiding elk um you know not a not a sig related thing this is a six ranch outfitters thing guiding uh archery hunters here and we try to keep stuff as simple as we can Right. And both of us have traveled and hunted a lot. And sometimes your ammo doesn't make it with you. And sometimes ammo can be hard to find. And the more specialized the cartridge, the higher the likelihood is that you're going to come up dry on that ammo at some point. Yes. And even if you're reloading, components can become very difficult to come by and things like that. We've, we've seen that in election cycles in years past. You can't buy a primer or a grain of powder anywhere. So what we're going to talk about here today is gas station ammo or hardware store ammo, like the everyday ammo, the stuff that, that, uh, that you can go out and buy more than likely, um, wherever you end up. And we're going to talk about it from a stateside perspective, as well as an international perspective. And internationally, um, you can't travel with very much ammo. A lot of times you're restricted. Like when I went to Tanzania, I could only bring a hundred rounds with me. I was there for a month. 100 rounds about the average I've run around. Africa is 100 rounds. Mexico is 100 rounds. Um, I don't know what New Zealand is. I've already, I never took that much down there when I was down there. But yeah. yeah. So if you can buy ammo when you get there, that might be a better deal. And you, you just never know. So it's it's good to, to think about these, these guns that, that you can find ammo for. 
And we're going to kind of go through the list and talk about what they're good for, um, what they're not good for, and uh, just kind of move through some of these. So, um, you know, Peter's selling himself short on this stuff. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more about, about your shooting background and kind of where you're at with shooting now. Yeah, so um, I don't remember what year it was. It was four years ago and then another four probably behind that. I got introduced to the, like, quality long-range shooting, not, like, hold seven inches above the back of the animal or the target. It's full-on dialing your dope and playing the weather game and knowing your temperature, your density altitude, your station pressures, your compass if you want to play with Coriolis um, and all that stuff and to the point where you started making you, – you got to the point where, you know, make a three-yard yard shot, which was difficult back then. To make a three-yard yard shot, you can lay a $1,000 bill on it all day long and say – not a problem. I got this, and I can still keep going out to eight, nine hundred yards without a problem. You know, and there's some of these guys out here that are really invested in the, that competitive shooting stuff like that. It's insane what they, they can do with a gun. Sure, and when you're talking about shooting out to eight, eight or nine hundred yards, no problem. Again, like there's a lot of guys out there that you know have shot and hit a target at a thousand yards or beyond a thousand yards. Um, there's a lot of technology that helps us do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, that may makes these shots to where, you know, 20 years ago, that was an extraordinarily difficult shot. And now a lot of that work's done for us. Yeah. But what you're talking about when you're talking about shooting 800 or 900 yards, you're talking about cold bore one round, I'm going to hit it type shots. Not, I'm going to walk it in there and and get it Yeah, it's full on. Yeah. Yeah. You play that game. And then the $1,000 challenge, you know, is something that that I'm really interested in is to say, okay, I'm going to bet $1,000 that I'm going to hit this 10-inch plate um, on the first shot. And what range is that for you? And I suppose, you know, if you're a kajillionaire, you might be willing to risk $1,000 more than I would. Then you just got to up it. Yeah. <laughs> Make them sweat a little bit. Sure. Let's let's bet um, 30% of your net worth there you go. Um, that you're going to make this shot. So in thinking about it, I would bet, $1,000 that I'm going to hit a 10-inch plate at 200 yards. And I'm I'm confident that I'm going to win that bet. Confident enough that I'll risk 1000 bucks on it. At 300 yards, man, I might miss that thing. Yep. And that's the truth of it. And the reason we're talking about 10-inch plates, that's a, you know, that's that's your pie plate. That's your kill zone on most of the critters that we're, yeah. that we're out here hunting. And I love it. The first thing people go is, what's your atmospheres? It's whatever it is the moment. Sure. You don't get to pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to have a choice yeah. and say, I mean, it's right now. If it's out here and we're having a 30 mile an hour crosswind and, you know, the snow's in your eyes, stuff like that. Where's your $1,000 say that you're going to hit this thing? You're going to walk home and not go, oh, hey, honey, guess what? I just lost $1,000 because I was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where these hunters now, I've, you know. I probably, probably will probably get repercussions in this, but I'm not a. I like long range shooting. I love it. It's relaxing. It's enjoyable. I love to see what my propensity is and what I can do with it. But I am not going to endorse long range shooting or long range hunting because yeah, it's I, not something you can. There's too many environments to change. There the, really are, and the more you shoot in wind and angles, the more you realize how often you get it wrong the first shot. Mm-hmm. And that's just you. Let's yeah. not talk about an animal taking a step. Right. And the fact that that animal, you have to cross a ravine, which is probably a two and a half, three hour walk just to get to it. Yeah. To go check if you hit it. Yeah. Those things that people don't think about, unfortunately, before they dig those shots. So you and I are on the same page. We're all about long range shooting and we're all about close range hunting. Yeah. It makes you a better marksman. I think. Of course. Of course. You know, I, I practice with my bow out to a hundred yards or whatever my site is capable of. Mm-hmm. I will not shoot an animal beyond 40 yards unless he's previously wounded. Yeah. So follow up shots. Okay. So let's start with, uh, let's start with a 22 long rifle. I think they're a fun, great gun to get familiar with. Yeah. You can learn a lot from a 22. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks that 22 is still a gun that you only shoot. 15 to 80 yards. Sure. They can do a lot more than that. On targets and stuff like that. On targets. I'm going to talk strictly targets. Yeah, we're talking targets here for uh, for, for 22 long rifle purposes. But, 
you know, for, for, you know, average Joe, mm-hmm. Joe, the shooter, what's a 22 long rifle good for? In this state, you said grouse. Yep. In, in part in game birds yep. or grouse. Rimfire. Yeah. That's an awesome thing. Squirrel hunting mm-hmm. for those guys on the east side of the country that do this stuff. Um, 22 just is one of those guns that makes you feel better. You can instead of grab a brick of 22 ammo, 500 rounds, and go burn through 100 rounds of it. You don't feel bad. You haven't developed a flinch, for one thing. Yep. No recoil. Uh-uh. It's it not allows loud. you to build your shot. You get to fo- play with your follow-through. You get to see your side impacts. All that stuff gets thrown into it. I think it's a great round. What's it bad at? It's bad at, you know... 100% successfully killing something in most cases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so other than close-up stuff like in your ear or, you know, 15, 20 yards away, I don't, you know. I guess you can shoot gophers and stuff like that. It's fun to go out to 100 yards or something like that and play, play with your turrets and see what you're capable of doing. Yeah. But I think you'd start losing your lethality once you get to those places. Sure. And, uh you know, your your holdovers are starting to get mm-hmm. so big and so variable that, you know, if you're off by five yards, that's a wildly different impact. Yeah. Between 95 and 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, the arc of a, of a round is, it's pretty impressive. A 20 long rifle also ricochets really bad. They do. It's, so you can you, hear that one forever. <laughs> you need to be careful about where you're shooting this gun and understand that just because you're shooting at something 20 yards away, it might ricochet and go a really long ways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want to stop in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing your target, what's behind it? Rule number one. Well, well it's, it's not number one, but it's on the list. Yeah, it's on the list. Yeah. 223. Another one that's good. I find it that you can find this round anywhere you go. You can roll up to a gas station and get a 22. You can get your 223 if you're going to stretch out your prairie dog hunt a little bit further. You can buy it in a, you start getting a variety of, of uh, bullet calibers now, which is kind of nice. Because when you get their twist rate on a, a rifle, kind of changes. And some guns like one twist rate versus another when you get that 223. So you start kind of building up and going into. Um, see when a, a bullet actually does and stretching things out a little bit more in the two, two, three. So what about, uh, what about from a hunting standpoint? You know, a lot of States allow two twenty three for deer hunting. Some of them allow it for, for everything. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. 20. Well, I don't know what the laws are. So in, in Oregon, you can use a, a 24 caliber okay. for elk, but 22 you can use for deer. Okay. I, if you're competent with your gun and you, know what you're doing i think it's a great gun for kids to run in and use for their first thing because they see things they're not gonna be scared of the recoil i mean how many of us kids when we were younger somebody slapped a 308 in our, our three our ot six or 308 and hell we had our eyes closed before we pulled the trigger yeah and that's a gun that you're not gonna you're not gonna do that on it's loud i'll say that about it but that's where suppressors come into the world and everything becomes all right again john but, hollister told me to call him silencers yeah, su- su- silencers. Surprilancers. Su- Surprilancers. Silencers. <laughs> uh, 223, pretty good coyote gun. A fantastic coyote gun. It's real good out to 300 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really what a 223 likes to do is shoot from zero yards to, to 300 yards. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you can shoot a lot farther than that. The Marine Corps uses the 5.56, basically a 223. Yep. And, you know, we shoot targets out to 500 yards with them with very good accuracy, limited lethality. I would say on the bad list is shooting people. The 223 is not a great cartridge for combat. And it, it bothers me that that's what we were down to. And, and you think about it, like this saying is, is, you know, the bare minimum for killing a deer, mm-hmm. right? And then we have to go into a war and use this thing where we might have to shoot people that's a lot farther away. Did you ever hear why they chose that caliber? No. Do you know? I heard rumors of it because they said it was a, a caliber. And I don't know. It was might have been some guy telling me, but, but it was one of those calibers that if you were struck, it would follow a bone. Hmm. It would just wreak ungodly damage inside of a, a human. They do wound a lot. Yeah. 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 I only ever engaged one individual that was like, boom dead mm-hmm. um and that was 
that was an issue with the Trigicon battle site that we had um, because it had a chevron in it mm-hmm. to uh, to tell you how far away something was by how big it was. Yeah, how to mill it. Right. But uh, it was based off of an American-sized human. Yeah. And the people that were fighting over there were quite a lot smaller. And basically what happened is, you know, this bullet impacted higher than what I was aiming at. And uh, that's that's the only reason that it was a one-shot kill. Um, coming after the 223, I think, is probably the 243. That's yes. a great gun. Fantastic. My gosh, that's a great gun. Yep. 243 a, Winchester. That's a 20, 243 should be in everybody's cabinet, I feel. It's one of those guns that you can do a lot of stuff with. And everybody in your family can shoot it with ease. And the 243 is based on a 308 parent cartridge. Down to a 6 millimeter. Yeah, neck mm-hmm. down to 6 millimeter. Um, man, just, I think it's as good as it gets for coyotes. I, I, for a lot of things. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic round. Great mountain lion gun. Mm-hmm. It's a great mountain rifle. Yeah. If you're shooting, you know, something small, that deer size animal. Yeah. It's lightweight for the most part. Minimum recoil. You can see your, your uh, impacts after um, you shot. I, yeah, I think it's a great, great gun. Yeah, without getting into ballistic holds and weirdness, it's real flat shooting out to 400 yeah, yards. Yeah, that's when we start talking about flat shooting rifles is yeah. on that cartridge, I feel. Or we start, it shoots real flat. Yeah. Right? That's and, one of them. And that was all all the rage before we had laser range finders with, with ballistic programs and weather stations built into them. Like flat really mattered because we couldn't tell how far stuff was away. We mm-hmm. were guessing. And we're crappy guessers. Yeah. And when you can take like a 308, which will have, say, it, if I can remember my dope, say at 300 yards, it's going to drop 8 to 12 minutes. So, and that's, you know, 8 to 12 minutes at 300 yards is roughly, what is that? Uh, that'd be 36. It is 12. 36. Yeah. So three feet. Yeah. I don't think it drops that much. It's a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a lot. Definitely depending on where your where your zero hold is. But mm-hmm. you know, say you, you sight this thing in for three inches high at a hundred. Yeah. You know, you're you're still holding holding on the critter at three hundred and yeah. I say you're up and down from three hundred or hundred yards wherever you zeroed at out to three yards is gonna be a fluctuation of probably about six to ten inches. Yeah. And that's still in the kill zone. Yeah. But just just a fantastic coyote gun. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's as good as it gets. Um real affordable. You, you can buy this stuff inexpensively and you can legally use it for, for elk in Oregon. And I've seen a lot of elk killed with the 243, an awful lot of elk killed with the 243. Those old timers live by those things. Yeah. And I don't, I'll get into, you know, what I like for an elk gun a little bit later, but what would you say 243 is bad at? Knocking down stuff. Yeah. It's light. It's mm-hmm. light and fast. Yeah. You're shooting like a hundred to 106 grain bullets, yeah. something in 90 there. 90 grain. Yeah. It's fast, and fast does a lot of damage too. But you know, you and I both hunted Africa. Know that they like slow and heavy, mm-hmm. and we've liked slow and heavy from being over there. Yeah, yeah. The only thing better than slow and heavy is fast and heavy. Mm-hmm. That hurts. <laughs> 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 well, all right. So there's this new kid on the block, new cartridge. Some guys uh, may have heard of it. It's called Six Five Creedmoor. Yeah. It's the one that once you buy, you're pretty much a sniper. Yeah, total, total sniper. And then you get like a, you get like a handle, you know, you get, (laughs) and then you go on, uh, on forums and you have an alias. Yeah. I think once you get a six, five cream where you can grow facial hair too. Well, that requires a degree of wax. Yeah. Like it's fairly manicured. (laughs) Uh, so there is a lot of hate against the six, five Creed more. there's a lot of love. I think there's probably hate because there's too much love. This yeah. cartridge is really misunderstood in its application. Um, but it, it is good at some stuff. I love it. I've got six of them. You have six of them. Yeah. You should get 6.5 of them. <laughs> if one goes down, I will have 6.5. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great gun. You know, I liked, I, I have a bad feeling with that two seventy because it thumped me and I got scared of it <laughs> as a kid. And at six five, I can lay behind that thing and shoot it comfortably. You know, I've run four or five hundred rounds a day out of one. Right. 
and it's done everything it's supposed to done. It's just a semi. It just keeps on trucking. Yeah. You're not going to have a bruise on your shoulder no. or your cheek. Uh-uh. And, you know, if you if you have good body position and you shoot that gun, you can still look through the scope and watch the bullet. Impact. Yeah, you will. If you're set up right and you've got enough forward pressure, you will see everything that's going on. That's really valuable. It. As a hunter, that's paramount, I think. Yeah, especially if you hunt by yourself. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys today are, are into solo hunting. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing. Um. And if you don't have somebody to spot impacts for you, you need to be able to spot them yourself. Yep. That's the other thing, too, is I've seen so many of these dudes nowadays. Everybody feels that they have to turn their magnification up on their scope as high as they can see it. And it's the absolutely the worst thing you could ever do in a hunting scenario. Yeah. Because, A, if you do hit it, or when you do hit it, you want to see what's going to happen directly afterwards. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a gun that's got recoil behind it. You're going to bounce out of there. If you can stay in your gun, if it's, say, you know, 250, 300 yards away, you want to know which way the animal moved as soon as the recoil happened or after you shot, broke. If you hit it or not. And, I mean, if you're in a gun on 6.5, I can sit there and watch and see the impact on the animal and know, okay, I know exactly where it's hit with confidence. And if you're zoomed out instead of zoomed in, when you reload... And you get your eye back in there. You can find yeah. that animal so much faster. Yeah. Yeah. So don't shoot with your mag all the way up. It's dumb. Okay. That's a, that's a sidebar. Mm. Uh, 6.5 Creedmoor, good at low recoil. Yep. Good at shooting um, medium to long range. Yeah. I'd say that's a gun that um, the energy behind it, I think at 800 yards, your energy is the point where it's not lethal anymore it's going to put a hold things and stuff like that but you're not going to have the energy for knockdown power yeah so if you're shooting 147 grain bullet standard velocity at 800 yards you're impacting with less energy than a nine mil Mm -hmm. at point blank yep and i don't know anybody who would go elk hunting with a nine mil no but i hear from lots of people that want to shoot at elk with six five creed more long ways away yeah no crazy i think uh with 100% certainty, that's a great gun from 600 yards and in. Hmm. I love it. I don't think people should be shooting at elk at 600 yards. No, I don't think so more. either. But, man, you can sure hit a plate at 600 yards with them. Yeah. Yeah. That way, too. Fairly affordable. It's uh, Word on the street is it's the second most popular cartridge out there today, so they're making a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of machines cranking these things out. Inherently accurate, I would say. Oh, Yeah. And they've got that. That's one of those cartridges I feel that they've gotten down to a science right now. Yeah. And everything you're going to get, it's going to, if you do change ammo or something like that, you're going to have minimal shift. But there's a wide range. You can get like 120s up to 157s or something like 153s. I can't remember what the highest number you can get on those things. But you can, there's a pretty broad spectrum of bullet calibers or bullet weights, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that you can run through a 6.5, which is kind of nice. It is nice. Um, so, yeah, good at shooting targets, good at shooting deer sized critters. Uh, I would, I'd feel pretty confident in, in shooting a deer, um, under the right atmospheric conditions up to 350, 400 yards with oh, yeah. six, five Creedmoor mm-hmm. and, and knowing that I'm going to have lethal effects once it gets there. Beyond that, uh, I think you need to step up a little bit. Yeah. You can go into that 30 caliber round and not be afraid of it at all. It's a good choice. Speaking of deer guns, another uh, cartridge that you can find at uh, at, at your local feed store, 25-06. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Highly. That's my first woodchuck gun. How many woodchucks could a 25-06 chuck? I, I burned a barrel out. Yeah. That's fun. Another gun that you can see your impacts on. You've got high velocities. Pretty inexpensive to shoot. It's a great gun. Good, it's a good packable gun. And it's a great deer gun too. Great deer gun. Maybe one of the best. Mm-hmm. If, maybe the best. My dad bought a twenty-five out six when he was in his early twenties, and he's never shot another rifle since. Is that right? Yeah, it's all he shoots. Yeah, shot placements is a lot of things. There's a uh, lot. Yeah, I mean he he literally used that gun to feed our family for my childhood. Yeah. So I feel like I owe, owe a lot to that caliber. It's, it's incredible. I've got a couple of them. 
I uh, I really like the twenty five. It's yeah, that's definitely a gun though that's still kind of underrated. Yeah. It's it's one that we were talking the other day when we were driving around working on something of calibers. You feel that they and this is going off another tangent, but they came too earlier, came too late in their life. Right, like the four forty four or something like that. You know, yeah. it missed its window. Yeah, and and nobody's really given it a chance. Like you can't find high BC 25 caliber bullets. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're not out there. You know, you step into the 6.5 Creedmoor and you've got all, all kinds of options. But, yep. you know, if you built the right bullet for 25-06 with that long action, whoo, I think you could do some things. Yeah, some stuff would be done. But you can do some things with the stuff that you can buy now. That's true. 7mm 08. I love it. Me too. Nice short action. There's a lot behind it. 150 grand bullet. It's just a stopper. Yeah. Low recoil. Mm-hmm. Well, on some guns. <laughs> yeah, mine are heavy. Yeah. I like a heavy gun. I do too. I, I like a light gun sometimes. I like a heavy gun when I'm shooting it. 7mm08. Very accurate. There's a lot you can do with that thing. And I think... I don't know if that's one of those hot shot calibers that or cartridges that we saw kind of come around, but it's been around a long time. You mm-hmm. know, it's outlived a lot of stuff, and it's still here today. If you look through, like, gun manufacturers and what kind of guns they're building and stuff like that and what caliber list you can have a choice to pick out of from, you know, a, a well-maintained production-style rifle, 7mm weight's always going to be there. The tightest group I ever shot at a thousand yards was with a seven mm weight. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Five shot, ten inch group at a thousand. That's impressive. That's that seven millimeter bullet, though. Yeah, it, they love to fly. They do. Yep. They keep on cooking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the two seventy. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. That was that was the darling rifle of the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. It was. It was written about a lot. Um, it traveled the world, and it was sort of this this medium-sized gun that was doing a good job of having a flat trajectory, not an overwhelming amount of recoil like some of the, the Weatherbees and things mm-hmm. like that that were coming out. It had a different shoulder. I think I, I remember looking at that 270 shoulder compared to the other things. Mm-hmm. It was like this one's it was slightly a little bit. It was different than everything else. Yep. And you remember like looking at, remember seeing like your two, your first Weatherby cartridge? Yeah. Like that is the weirdest looking yeah. cartridge I've ever seen in yeah. my life. Supposed to be like this? Yeah, <laughs> I think yours is broken, man. <laughs> but two seventies of they've uh, it's one of those guns that kind of like for a lot of people is their first like transition to a true hunting rifle. Yeah, it is still a gun that if you only own one rifle to hunt with, a, a two seventy is a viable choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can find them everywhere. That cartridge is everywhere. Yep. Great deer gun. Yeah. Good enough elk gun. Mm-hmm. And there's, everybody builds one. Everybody makes a bullet for it. Everybody, I think every gun company or our ammunition company I know makes a round for it. Bullets are starting to get better. Uh-huh. Slowly. But there's some, I think this year there's actually been a quite a, a big dive back in that 277 round. Yeah. Which is... It'll be interesting to see where it goes with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it, SIG is investing in it. Nosler's investing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it is interesting. There is there is a 270 renaissance coming on for, for the caliber, but for the cartridge, the 270 Winchester, you know, it, it's it's tried and true, and it is a it is a middle-of-the-road gun. But if you get one in a, you know, off-the-shelf seven-pound gun... It, it'll it'll pop you, you know. You're you're not gonna want to sit down and and shoot twenty rounds of it. Mm-mm. Hurts. I don't think those guns were made to shoot twenty rounds. They weren't though. They were made to shoot like three rounds to make sure it was still sighted in from last year. Yep, I'm good. Same box of ammo still. Yeah. What a bargain. You know, and and I remember those guys growing up with those guys that, you know, had this box of Remington Corlock 130 grain. And the cardboard was disintegrating, and you yeah. couldn't hardly read it anymore. And they'd shot their last seven elk with this, yeah, the brass with this same green, same <laughs> box of ammo. You know, so you've got to show respect to that. You do. I used to dread. You know, I'd go in with my hunting clients, and I'd always take them out the first 
day before we go into, into the mountains and be like, okay, let's see what you can do. And we, you know, back then we were taking like whatever we had in the back of the pickup. So, okay, can you hit that bottle at 200 yards? And the guys would pull out a box of ammo. And if you hunt with him before, he's like, is that the same box you had last year? <laughs> well, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> have we practiced anymore? No, no. Yeah. We'll be just fine. No. I mean, I was listening to a client earlier talk about resting his bow through the summer. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> what? It's not a horse, son. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. But all right. <laughs> we work with what we got. Um, no. How about the old 308? I love the 308. The 308 will teach you things. God's gun. It will. It'll teach you about wind and elevation drop and everything. It's another one of those guns I have four or five of. Peter uh, runs a, a sniper competition in Montana that I attended this year. You guys heard me talk about that on a previous episode. And I took a 16-inch barrel uh, SIG cross rifle mm -hmm. chambered in 308 and shot factory SIG ammunition. And it did well, actually. Pretty well. Yeah. Pretty well. well. I think there's another team in there that's highly uh, celebricized at that match. And I think you tripled their score. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, ce celebrity won't, won't get rounds on target. But yeah. uh, no, 308 is a good gun. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, a lot of elk get shot with a 308. In a short range, a 308 is is a good hunting rifle. It is. And you can get a 178-grade bullet for that thing, which that carries weight. It does. It might be the slowest horse in the race, but it carries its weight. Yeah. But with a 165-grain bullet, um, you know, I think 300, 350 yards, most of what you're going to do, you know, el elking on down, that's a that's a good choice for yeah. that gun. Yeah. You figure, like, 350 yards, with your naked eye, you can't even tell if that animal's got horns on it half the time. Right. That's more than enough. To, they damn sure can't see what you're doing. Yeah. So I think it's perfect for that stuff. Perfect. Yeah, it's a great gun. And you know what the good thing about 308 is? It's fathered a lot of cartridges. Yeah. Now, I've also shot 308 a lot in the Marine Corps. We, we carried like 17,000 rounds of it in every single tank. Mm -hmm. And you know, I shot through a lot of machine guns, mostly. And through my coaxially mounted machine gun that was on the tank, um, I think we were supposed to shoot like out to 880 yards or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reality is I shot out to 2,200 yards with that, which was way outside of what the ballistic computer yeah, would do. Yeah, slightly transonic. Um, but uh, yeah, super cool. And I, I have shot it, you know, well beyond the transonic barrier in a rifle just for fun. I think at that target, because you stepped up to that long long range stage I had, is a 1,038, I remember, and you made a first round impact. Yeah. I like right on. Yeah. It was it was huffing and puffing too. That was like a twenty mile hour. Oh, that thing had to take a breath to get there. <laughs> well, I mean you could smoke a cigarette and eat a sandwich before oh, you yeah. had to get back in your scope and see if the bullet hit or not. <laughs> now, this is kind of an interesting cartridge, this next one I want to talk about. That's a seven mm Remington Magnum. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of of cartridges out there today that, you know, people buy to shoot long range that are specialized, mm -hmm. but the the hardware store seven MM will stay supersonic to a mile. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. 1680 yards. Amazing. That's a long ways. And, ca and carry like that energy that will still punch through stuff. Now, some of these close range shots, a seven MM, um, has performed really poorly on animals. It's a, it's a laser beam. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of times it just blows a small hole through stuff. Yeah, it cauterizes it and just yeah. keeps on going. So there's a there's a range where it performs really well, and you you've got to pick the right ammo, the right bullet construction yeah, for the range the right that you're going to be hunting. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like we're shooting with. Uh, I think True Pierce made this comment. I think he runs a seven mm if I'm not mistaken, but he'll carry two different lots of weight when he goes hunting he'll mm. carry a lot for um aim from 600 yards and in and then he'll carry a heavier bullet for that 
some stuff past that. Interesting. If he needs to make the shot. Yeah. And both of them will hold the same. I think they both hold the, held the same zero at 100 yards, two cal, or two weights that he purchased, or sorry, used yeah. when he was doing it. But he's like, all right, I know when this animal or this target, when I get out there, I'm going to have to have that the BCs and the weight to keep this thing to carry on and do what it's supposed to do. And true is Skookum enough to, to pull that off. True's solid. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to worry about He's been in the gun club for a minute. Yeah, I think he's, I'd say he averages 100,000 rounds a year. Yeah. Through three gun and pistol and everything else. That's a pretty safe. I mean, pulling the trigger 100,000 times. Mm-hmm. That, you get nods for that. Yeah. And under pressured situations, like he's he's competing and, mm-hmm. and he's learning, he's writing reviews, all this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, the 7mm, um, it is it is the most underrated long-range cartridge yes. that you can buy in a gas station. Yep. It gets to do everything round. Now we're getting into my my darling of the Elkwoods. The 30 cals. The 300 Winchester Magnum. Mm, there's a lot of them, too. You can find that all over the place. Everywhere. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been in a country that didn't have that. Great gun. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. caliber. It does a lot. So straight up, I'm not going to say a bad word about the 300 Win Mag. Um, 200 grain bullet. That is the ideal elk load choice cartridge for me, for what I do, for my clients. Um, I have a rifle that has currently killed 22 elk with 22 shots, and none of them have made it farther than 10 yards from where the bullet impacted them mm-hmm. with a 300 Win Mag shooting 200 grain bullets. That's a that's saying something. That's OG. OG. Yes. Uh, there's some other 30 cals that we got to talk about. 30-30. That's like the Western gun. And the Eastern gun. Yeah. And the Northern gun. That's an Yeah. It's American's gun. It is American's that's, gun. That's one of the, yeah. That thing goes back. I mean, everybody knows how far it goes back, but the history and what it's actually done, I don't think people really truly uh, give the odds to. I mean, that's the gun that won the West. It won the East. It won everything. You know, it provided food on everybody's table. Um, there's so many different applications for that caliber. Yeah, and the and it was the right caliber and cartridge for, for the gun that it was built in, mm-hmm. right? Those Those Winchester lever guns carried so easily. They were reliable. Um, they they shot plenty well enough for the range that they needed to be shooting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they could be passed down through generations and just keep on ticking. Yeah. No, it's a 30 is a mean thing. Yeah. How many do you have? I have zero 30-30s. Yeah. I have one. I've never shot it. Yeah. It just kind of looks good on the wall. Yeah. I do have a thirty forty Craig, which... You know, you cannot find ammo for in a gas no. station. <laughs> uh, it was built in 1899. Uh-huh. Super cool action. I do want to hunt elk with that gun someday, and I've got I've got a couple boxes of ammo still. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. not a readily available thing. You could find it though. Yeah, it's around. It was a military cartridge. Yeah, thirty out six. <sighs> it's another American cartridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. It's what you tr- you went to. If you were going, I think if you're making your first trip out west, you're going to not six. I think, I don't know if this is true, but I did read that the 30-06 was invented for killing baboons on the railroad tracks in Africa when they were building is that, Yeah, that is a railway cartridge, isn't it? Because they had the 303 British, mm-hmm. which um, was shoot, basically shooting the same bullet, but a lot slower. Yep. And these baboons quickly figured out how far away they could be and still wreak havoc. And they were tearing stuff <laughs> up. Baboons that are terrible. They're not a nice animal. Yeah, they're they're not a good thing like to it. have around. So, you know, along comes the 30-06. 30-06, you know, great service record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Marine Corps has done a lot of good work with the 30-06. And one grand, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the Germans learned a lot about about us at, at Bella Wood when they thought they were safe. And then the Marine riflemen rolled up and made them not safe anymore. <laughs> Scoped rifles. Yeah. And that's when, uh, that's when the Marines got the nickname devil dogs. Is that right? Yeah. It was at Bella Wood carrying that old 30. Yeah, there's a lot of history in these cartridges, aren't there? 
It really is. Yeah. They, they change things. Uh-huh. And whether you, whether you care about this or not, the fact is your life has been altered because of the things that these cartridges have done. Yeah. You just okay. have to realize that. I wonder if you pulled the people listening to this podcast, because I'm honest, probably going to have like six listeners, but if you said, all right, what, what cartridge was your first one you ever remembered like getting? You know, like mm. you look through hunt magazines, like what gun was your first gun you ever wanted? Yeah. And then what is the gun now that you just kind of, like I've got a gun at home that I grab for everything. It, it's automatically gets thrown in the back of my truck and right. it goes wherever I go. And I wonder what people, what people's go-to guns are now, or cartridge, I should say. And what exists today that will, will be that in two generations, mm-hmm. or three generations. Yeah. Hard to say. 30-06 is a good one, though. Good elk gun, good deer gun. Um, it sees a lot of service in Africa. People don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of those guns that it's in every camp, after a camp in Africa. Yeah, if you're talking planes game in Africa, 30-06 is a tremendous choice. It's there. And a lot of bullet weight options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the gun I used when I was uh, in Mozambique, my job, because I couldn't take naps. Right. I just you can't sleep. Eaten. Huh? You'd get eaten by something. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just, everybody, you know, our hunters, we get up. I did a lot of leopard hunts over there. And we'd be up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and cutting track and stuff like that and then everybody go back take a nap i could never sleep so i got tasked with the job of uh meat i tell you what and that's what they gave me is a not six and i slammed the <laughs> hell out of the of thing. oh at one point we were like running low and i know we need meat and uh there's a bunch of cape buffalo in the area and the guy that i was working in concession was like if you see one of those things you you got to go ahead like, oh my gosh, I get to go toe-to-toe with Black Death. Nice. And it was like 416, 6. I went 416. <laughs> but I looked all over for those buffalo that day and I couldn't find them. <laughs> I shot a lot of dikers and stuff like that, but I never found the Black Death. <laughs> shot, I was so pissed. <laughs> you shot dikers at the 416? Oh, yeah, Sala is the best thing yeah, you could ever do. Might as well. It just punches a hole through them and they roll for a little while. It's kind of fun. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a 30 six. Now another great elk gun, and I would say a good, like this would be the 30 six of Alaska. It would be the 338. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good elk gun, good bear gun. Just a great guide gun. Yep. Slow, heavy. Slow and steady, but it's one of those guns that does everything. Yeah. Yeah, I have one. I shot my first. Big bear with a th- on the three thirty eight. I've got a couple of them. I really like them. Yeah, I need to get more. I went to a, a branch off to a three thirty eight Lapua. Mm. Um, it's just bloody expensive to buy, and it's a different deal. Like yeah. three thirty eight Winchester and three thirty eight Lapua are just they're completely different things, mm-hmm. different animals. Yeah, and if you put a, a Lapua bullet in a three thirty eight Winchester, it's going to suck. Yeah, so it's just they're they're different things. Yeah, but you can find three thirty eight lots of places. You can. That's yeah. definitely something you could roll in town, and you know what? It's uh, that old story of, you know, you hear those hunters, the guys that go out every year, and the old man comes back after his hunting trip and just hollers at his wife because she didn't pack him any underwear, and she said, "Well, honey, it was in your gun case." But <laughs> 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 well, it's one of those. It's one of those things, you know. That stuff is always there, you know. It's that three thirty eight, the three hundred one mags, ot six, the three hundred eights. You could find them anywhere. Yeah. And if you do forget stuff or something like that, driving down the road, because I don't know a hunter that's not forgetful. I mean, we might have seen hunters today forgot their releases when they went to the bow stand. Yeah, just maybe. <laughs> For example. It happens. Yeah. But I forget stuff, too. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's human. And I have the habit of, I know if I say, okay, don't forget. Like this morning when I left, I got out of the bathroom. I was like, shoot, I need a new call. My read's gone bad. And I woke up out of bed like, don't forget your read this morning. And that's just a clear thing. Like, you're going to forget it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just have to do it right then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another one, and this is a gun that I carry a lot as a guide. And I've killed I've killed deer. I've killed coyotes. Uh, I've killed um, mountain lions in self-defense scenarios like three yards away from me. Oh, I remember that. That was um, two years ago, wasn't it? Well, the first time actually with this gun was uh, 
No, I was back in college. I was a freshman in college, home oh, for wow. Christmas. My my neighbors called, and uh, they had these two Vizlas, and they would walk them every day. And this gal calls me, and she says, there's a mountain lion stalking my husband on, on Sunrise Road. And I was like, I will be there in three minutes. <laughs> and it was snowing, icy as hell, and we went flying down the road. And uh, I was in this crappy old Ford Ranger and come skitter into a halt sideways. And, um, and this guy's Mike, he's holding on to his two dogs and he's pointing into the bushes like this. He's just as calm as could be. And I thought, oh man, he's pointing at a track. I've got to go sort this lion out. It's day after Christmas. Probably had a hangover. Who knows <laughs> what, right? Wasn't feeling it. And I walk across the road, all casual, gun dangling from my arm. And, uh, Look, and the, the freaking lion's three yards away. You know, his shoulder blades are popping up and down, tail switching back and forth, and they've been a standoff. He was afraid to move because he thought that if he backed off or did anything, this lion was going to come out of there after him. And uh, anyways, uh, I think I was shooting those 300-grain uh, hollow-point bullets, and they went end-to-end through Hold. that lion and, you know, ended ended that crisis. And that's the forty five seventy. So... I carry that gun whenever somebody's got a wounded bear or just whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a gun that you can carry around, and it's seen a lot of service in the North Woods. Um, still sees a lot of service on the East Coast. It's known as a brush gun. It's done a lot of good work in Africa. It's a straight up cartridge, yeah. And uh, the forty-five seventy, you know, it was largely responsible for the demise of the buffalo. Mm-hmm. I've got a sharp rifle. Yeah. And a forty-five seventy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic round. I mean, that's a that's a, a for straight wall cartridge. That's a round that carries. It does. And these new um, FTX bullets, you know, they open up a whole new world for that gun. Mm-hmm. And it's still a three hundred twenty five grain bullet, and um, you know, it just carries quite a lot farther. And they put that nice squishy tip in there so that you could still tube feed it. So they got more of a conical thing. The cartridges that I carry now for the use that I you know, get out of this gun or 405 grain gas checks. And, you know, there's just as much powder crammed in there as you can possibly oh, yeah. get. And I don't think they even weigh that stuff. Do they just slam it up till it hits the <laughs> compress it down to go. <laughs> good to go. Yep. So 4570 is a heck of a good gun, but man, it, it will kick the snot out of you if you're, <laughs> if you're shooting a big heavy bullet. It's a, it's a gun for an oak to shoot. I'll say that. Yeah. A skinny guy like me is, it's not friendly to shoulders. See, I think you skinny guys, you, you know, you take less of a whooping than, than me because you get to move with a gun. I just have to stand there and absorb it. Yeah. You, you forget, though, I hate recoil. Yeah, I do, too. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. Well, that kind of wraps up our, our rifle cartridges. And let's run through pistol real quick. So you got, like, the thirty eight. Yeah. You know, what's it good for? So that's a self-protection gun. Yeah. It's a gun, good gun to carry. I think. You're uh, Kirk carrying it this week, isn't mm. he? I think that's 357. Well, that's a good attribute of it. Yeah. You can change them out and kind of go. It's a great backpacker's gun, mm-hmm. if you will. Just something to keep in the top pack or in, you know, on a, some sort of a harness system on side of you. Yeah. It's small. It's compact. I remember my first, like, I carried a 41, like a six-inch barrel. And that thing, I, I packed it for about, a week and a half or two weeks and got to the point where I was like, this thing is killing me. Yeah. It's just, it's just too much. When I was in college, I bought a, a 357 Smith and Wesson um, and shot a bunch of 38 from it, through it. Mm-hmm. And I was just having a blast. You know, I was going out every night after work and just shooting and having a good time. And the guy uh, who sold it to me, sold me, all, you know, all the ammo that went with it. And he missed it so bad that after a week he was willing to give me back all the money that I'd paid for it. Um, even though I'd just shot up all the ammunition <laughs> and I was, you know, the guy was sad, right? You know, he wanted his gun back and I, I could feel that. What you got? we got an elk down there. I think that's a bull right down there. Oh, nice. We might have to go hunt him later. Anyhow. Anyways, yeah. Um, so I got to basically shoot, shoot one for free for a week, which was pretty, Are you sold it back to him. Pretty cool. Yeah. I did. I felt bad. I mean, they made them every day. Sure. Was it one of those bear claws? Is that what they called that gun? It was like a 686. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember. So uh, that's 38, 357. Um, 357, you know, a little bit little bit more pop to it. Yeah, it's got more heat for sure. Yeah. Good yeah. penetrating gun. It is. It really is. Similar 
uh, kinetic energy to a 10 mil. Yeah. I think. That's a pretty safe assumption, I think. Yeah. How about the old 44? This is just a hand cannon. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you use a 44 mag for? Um, I bought, I think I have two. I don't know what you use them for. It's a heavy gun. Right. I think if I was still riding, you know, and did the point where I carried a wheel gun in a holster on a horse, I'd probably carry it again. That's just a great, yeah. quick brush gun. Step off and do your stuff and, you know, do what it needs to do. And it, the nice thing about that is you can still get that in the lever gun too. Mm-hmm. So you can carry both. And that's fun. Yeah. And same thing with 45 long colt. Mm-hmm. That's the cartridge that I've shot a pile of in cowboy action competitions. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And you can load them up. You can make them peppy. Yeah. Put some heat behind them. How was that? Did you, when that cowboy action shoot, did you uh, stuff your horses here with cotton? I I did all the ground stuff. I didn't do the mounted oh, shooting. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And then, then it started getting kind of funky, and dudes were like dressing up and having aliases, and I was like, ah, that's gonna. I'm not not larping. You know, I'm just I'm just here for the guns. <laughs> I'm not here for the costume party. So, uh, 45 ACP. Seen a lot of service. That's a lot of gun. That's a gun that you got to take care of. Yeah. It's not one you can neglect. Right. I don't feel. We see it in 1911s a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and I know that a lot of these guys produce this. It's one of those guns that after 500 rounds, you have to start doing replacement parts stuff too. Yeah. Which is, I've gotten a new one. I've got a couple of them. I don't shoot them that much. Right. They're not enjoyable. It's not like shooting like our RA nine thousands and stuff like right. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an obscure model, folks. That's a inside joke. Um, nine mil. I've got. I love it. Yeah, fun to shoot. It's that's a nine mil is one of those things that went away, and then came back again. And I think after the military dumped it, I still get people, especially when working with Sig and. Why did the military go back to shooting a 9mm? That 40 was a great thing. I was like, well, yeah, there's benefits to both of them. They mm-hmm. found that the 40 actually skipped off of more skulls than it went through them. Right. I think that was one of the bases behind it. The FBI white paper report found that the uh, it didn't have as much uh, penetration as a 9mm does. Mm-hmm. And you can put a 15 to 17 round mag in it versus a, what, what did your Beretta carry, remember? I don't know. It didn't matter because it wasn't going to make it through a full magazine of anything. Yeah. So. But yeah, the 40, I think I can get, I want to say you can get 12 rounds into it or something like that. Yeah. And that's about it. So that's why the military went back is for higher capacity mags, more penetration. And since then, you've seen. It's easier to shoot. It is easier to shoot. It's one of those things where it goes back to recoil and you get your sight picture back so much faster than something that rocks your whole body back and you kind of brace up for it and run it and be good with it that is one thing i'll say that uh you know is is to my advantage being a, a bigger guy is like nine mil doesn't hardly make my hands move Mm-mm. um i can really stay on it and stay on a target for for these stages where you have to you know put two or three rounds on target it's pretty nice if the gun doesn't move and you can just pull the trigger again you watch those guys that like spend time behind like max yeah he th- that's a sewing machine for him. Yeah. He has zero movement when yeah. he's running that gun. Yeah. It's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Very impressive. Yeah. So a lot of cool stuff has been done with 9mm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I as, as far as like a backcountry carry gun, I'm not there. Uh, but, you know, I, I carry 10mm. I love 10mm. But that's just not one that I'm finding at at every gas station and hardware store right now. Not yet. Um, but it, it it's so popular and there's such a demand for it. We'll get there. But for, for the scope of this conversation, um, I'm going to say that a nine mil is a really good option for those purposes. Yeah. I think in the Western States though, 10 mil is going to be a gas station gun. If it isn't already, it's getting there. It, it will be shortly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of wraps up the States wraps up pistols when you're abroad, let's, let's say Africa, um, if you're going to carry a gun to Africa and there's a chance that some some crook in the airport's going to jack your ammo or whatever. Mm. Or so your we, ammo, get, your bags get lost. If if there's any chance that you're going to be hunting large or dangerous game, I'm saying 375 H&H. Yeah, that or 416. They're yeah. both bolt, or a bolt uh, 
compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and a 300 win Mega Knot 6. If yeah. I'm going to narrow it down, that's going to be in every camp. Yeah. Pretty sure about that. Yeah, and African gun laws um, are fairly strict. Like, South Africans cannot own very many guns. No, and they have to have a license to purchase ammo. If you try to purchase ammo and it's not on your card, right, you're going to jail. Yeah. So So the ammo that that I did not shoot, um, I left in camp so that, you know, they could kind of start to establish more of a backlog of 375 H&H. I did the same thing. Whenever I go there, whatever outfit I was rolling with, I'd say, what, what calibers you'd need? And then I'd bring that gun and bring yeah. as much ammo. I wouldn't even hardly use the gun, but right. I'd just leave all the ammo with them. Yeah. And don't bring ammo that is not for a gun that you have with you. Yes, that's a bad, that's a no-no. Yeah, you... Don't do anybody a favor by hauling ammo over yeah. there. Yeah, if you do bring a gun that suits it, otherwise you're going to end up at the end of a long green table with no cool drink of water. Yeah, ever. That's the same thing with Mexico, too. Yeah. Don't bring, and it's 100 rounds there. If mm. you bring 101 rounds, you're going to go have to talk in a language you don't want to talk in. Yeah, yeah. That's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fun. Like, this is a good conversation to, to have and talk about these calibers and, and kind of brings back some memories, I think, for a lot of people. And, you know, I just want folks to realize that, you know, there's a lot of Gucci stuff out there. And, and I love I love innovation and development. But you have to admire these classics that are still around and have a strong heartbeat. Yeah. Well, what caliber do you see with both your hunting clients showing up here on a, on a rifle hunt? Um... I mean, it, it varies a lot. It varies a lot. It, it really depends on, on who, because clients tend to be less, um, less experienced. So it depends on who they're being influenced by mm-hmm. and, you know, whether that's television or social media or whatever, but there's a lot of six, five Creedmoors starting to show up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really prefer that people just shoot my rifles cause I know everything about them. I know they're sighted in and ready to go. I've got, you know, their, their ballistics are, are part of my DNA. So if, if you're going with an outfitter who's reputable, if, well, first of all, if, if he's not reputable, uh, you shouldn't be going with him. Mm. So if he says, Hey, you know, you, you can just shoot my rifle, just do it, man. I, you know what? It's uh nine times out of 10, that gun's going to cost 10 times more than your rifle ever will. Yeah. And they're going to have that gun dialed in. Yeah. And they're going to do everything with it. So all you need to do essentially is look down the scope, put the crosshairs on your target, and squeeze. Yeah. So I've I've that's one thing I did I do remember seeing in all the places I've been hunting. And clients will bring these guns into town that a they're probably scared of because they only shoot them once or twice a year. So side note for anybody that's going on a hunting trip, go shoot your guns mm-hmm. a lot before you go. Blow some ammo if you're spending going on a hunt that's a sheep hunt or something like that, you're spending a chunk of coin for, go burn down a thousand dollars worth of ammo and become to the point where that gun, you know what you're doing with it. But take somebody with you that can help. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you're probably just going to develop some bad habits and then reinforce them and make them part of your permanent yeah. muscle memory. Same, definitely do same thing with archery. Like get yeah. a lesson. Yeah. I do it. I, I give them a lot. Yeah. For hunters. I get them. Yeah, you know, I both give and get mm-hmm. shooting lessons for pistol, shotgun, rifle, archery, everything yeah. every year. And I think that if you're at a point where you feel like you cannot learn, like you don't need that, then you need to reevaluate yourself because mm-hmm. there's somebody out there that's better than you, and you should be trying to improve. In this day and age, yeah, that's. I mean, people are so involved with their guns nowadays that. And they're tuned into them, you know. Yeah. More and more people are reloading and stuff like that. And they're getting to the point where they know what their barrel life is in a barrel and, and what their sight picture is and how to run it and what their their recoil is going to look like. And they've done that stuff so much nowadays, but it's becoming commonplace for them. They know that, you know, they can lay down a gun and, and be pretty decent with it. But the biggest thing, and even if it's not your hunting rifle, get a twenty two. And just spend time shooting that gun and looking at it and stuff like that. It'll improve things immensely. Yeah. And try and do it in a, in a dynamic situation. Like if you just go lay down on a bench and put your gun in a lead sled, yeah. 
um, you know, you can confirm that your rifle sighted in, but you really haven't done anything to learn how to shoot that gun in a dynamic and, and field type situation. You got to shoot angles. You got to shoot uncomfortable, shoot in bad weather, things like that. Yeah. Think about shooting off your backpacks. And yeah. Off a stump or whatever. Well. Yeah. Diversify. I think we, you know, we're getting a little later on in the day here. We should probably throw some face paint on and go, uh, yeah. go give this bull the what for. Good talk. Yeah. Good talk. Appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Anytime. How can people find out more about you? It's all good. <laughs> what do they want to know? Well, where can they follow Peter Howell? I think it's uh, Peter Howell 406 on the gram. On, on the Instagram. Yeah. All right. Can they um, send you messages and ask you questions about Yeah, I'll be guns? happy answering yeah. gun questions all day long. Yeah. That's my job. Cool. And optics questions and everything else like that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to reach out with James and myself. Yeah. I know James is really good with uh, getting back to people. If it's... Do my best. Yeah, you're, you're sound with that stuff. But yeah, if you guys have optics questions or gun questions, let us know. If we don't know the answer, we'll find it for you. That's the truth. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening to the show. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. This episode was edited by Emily Brannigan, with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Artwork for the Six Ranch podcast was created by John Chatterlin and digitized by Celia Christofferson. If you enjoyed the show, I encourage you to share it with a friend and subscribe. You can find photos and more content on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.